King, you have summoned me. What is it? Take this here vibranium to the brother Myers as a gift from the people of Wakanda. Go and bring him the vibranium mic. He will use it wisely. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro. That's absolutely nothing. What did you do before you were named a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have there? Ask Professor Maurice Miles Martinez, MC Brother Miles, and he'll tell you like it really is. You can shackle the hands of black people, you can jail the bodies of black people, but you cannot shackle or jail the minds of black people. Rise up, black man, black woman, and reach to go back to Africa. My father was a Garveyite, thus Marcus Garvey can be thought of as my grandfather, but when you say, I've read in... Dr. Ben's book, or I've read in Dr. Ivan Van Sertima's book, or I've read in Professor Maurice Miles Martinez's book. They say, don't speak that information in here. Brothers and sisters, speak your truth to the world. Brother Miles, the black man's truth is here. The Real Wakandas of Africa podcast. History is a clock that people use to tell their political, economic, and cultural time of day. Brother Miles, the relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. Free at last and proud to be black. One day, Miles will be free at last. Hey, Brother Miles. That was really great, man. I'm impressed. Welcome to the Real Wakandas of Africa podcast, the place where black history, hip-hop, and spoken word come together. I'm your host, Maurice Miles Martinez, also known as MC Brother Miles. At the end of each podcast, we have an original spoken word poetry or hip-hop track by myself. Last week, we discussed the fact that hip-hop did not begin in the South Bronx, but rather it started in the West Bronx at 1520 Sedgwick Avenue. Now, as an addendum to that podcast, 1520 Sedgwick Avenue, where Cool DJ Herc, the first DJ, and Kokla Rock, the first MC, delivered the first hip-hop parties in the recreation room of 1520 Sedgwick Avenue, the first party of which was on August 11th, 1973, is in the Morris Heights section of the Bronx, which is definitively in the West Bronx, not the South Bronx. You can look it up, Morris Heights, Bronx, New York online, and you will see that it is in the West Bronx. I believe this is the first time that this has ever been pointed out by anyone. So definitely check out that podcast. Last week, there's an interesting story that I tell about Grandmaster Kaz affirming this fact. There is something now, though, as we shift to today's topic, called the silent trade in West Africa. And this existed in the empires of Ghana, Mali, and Songhai. It was also called, when you read books, the dumb trade. And this is no longer politically correct, but the first time I encountered this, I had a question about why it was called the dumb trade, and this is because dumb and deaf were terms used to describe someone who had lost their hearing. Thus, you might encounter a description of this trade in an older book using the word dumb on African civilizations in an African civilizations book, and it is worthy to understand what the authors are talking about as you're reading. The silent trade of the Sudanese kingdoms of West Africa is called or was called silent because there was no verbal communication used to trade. 
However, this trade was far from silent. In fact, drums were used to communicate during the silent trade. So gold was brought to the trading location and left there, and that trading group would then retreat back some distance, perhaps a couple of miles, and drums were played to communicate to the other group that the gold was there. And the other group would then arrive, say group two, and see how much gold was there, and would then leave some salt. Now, I want to point out this particular fact. Group two could have taken the gold and never put the salt there, but in Ghana, Mali, and Songhai, they were crime-free relatively, and we will address this in a minute. So group two left the salt, and then group one that left the gold would come up and check to see if they liked the amount of salt that was left there for the gold that they had left, and then they would take it, or they would leave and communicate then with drums that they were happy with the trade. But if they weren't, they would retreat back and communicate that they needed more salt. Then group two with the salt would come forth and leave more salt and then would retreat back several miles and they would play the drums to communicate that they left additional salt. This process went on for some time until an agreement was reached. For example, if group one that had left the gold was satisfied with the amount of salt that they left, then they would take the salt and leave the gold there. Then they would communicate to group two via drums that they were happy and group two would come and get the gold. The silent trade speaks to something very heavy. The silent trade actually speaks to the level of crime in Ghana, Mali, and Songhai. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about the silent trade by telling you a little story about an experience that I had in New York City and then tying it into one of the deeper meanings of the silent trade. So one time... I was traveling from the Bronx down south with my family, and I took the subway from the Bronx to Manhattan to catch a Greyhound bus down south. Now, this Greyhound bus station is located on 42nd Street and 8th Ave, which is where the Port Authority is, and that's where it leaves from. But the closest subway in the Bronx that I was coming from put me on the east side of Manhattan. Now, that's about a half mile to three quarters of a mile which is walkable to the Port Authority from this east side of Manhattan subway stop that I got off, except for the fact that we didn't have wheels on either of the suitcases. So I had no wheels on the suitcase, and on top of that, the Greyhound bus that we were supposed to catch was supposed to leave soon. So, these were the days before Uber, and I hail a yellow cab, and the cab driver comes, pops the trunk, I put the two suitcases in the trunk, close the trunk, and we hop in the cab. I tell the cab driver to take me to the Port Authority. Now when we get to the Port Authority, we hop out because we're in a rush. The cab driver pops the trunk and there's only one suitcase in it. So we hop back in the cab and I say to the cab driver, I left my suitcase at the bus stop. And he turns to me and brushes his hand in a clapping motion across one another like this and says, it's gone. And I say, that's okay, take me back. So now we are headed back across Manhattan and it takes about five minutes to drive half a mile. I'm feeling very nervous and really bad about losing my suitcase. The chances of this suitcase being on the curb of Manhattan with no one taking it was next to none. I mean, this was the 1990s 
and people used to lock their bikes to gates outside places like Hunter College, and they would be locked with these chrome U-shaped locks that were unbreakable, and thieves would come along with crowbars and pry open the locks. So our suitcase was sitting on the edge of the sidewalk with thousands of people walking by like 25 blocks from Hunter College every minute, and it didn't stand the chance I knew. So we pull up to the curb, and lo and behold, there was my suitcase just sitting there, and no one had touched it. We had boarded the cab about 10 feet from a bus stop, and there were people standing at the bus stop. So the only thing that I could think of was maybe some people thought that this suitcase belonged to one of the bus stop riders. Anyway, we hopped back in the cab and made it to the Port Authority. The bus at the Greyhound station happened to be an hour late, and we made it down south. But the point of the story is what if you lived in a society that was so crime-free that you could leave a pile of gold out on the sidewalk and no one would touch it? This was what was being done during the silent trade in Ghana, Mali, and Songhai. There was no need to have a massive criminal justice system with fort-like prisons because crime was at a minimum. It was addressed right away if there was any issue at all with social problems in society. And this was evidenced in the silent trade. At some point in time, I will further address this topic of prisons in Africa because in traditional African society, I have come across only minimal evidence of jails existing. And the first massive prisons on the African continent were slave forts built by European enslavers. In the words of Dr. John Henry Clark, there was no word for prison in any African language because no one ever needed to go to one. And indeed, the silent trade in Ghana, Mali, and Songhai demonstrates this truth. As always, we conclude the real Wakandas of Africa podcast with an original spoken word poetry or hip-hop track by myself, MC Brother Miles. Do you hear the drum beats in African streets? This was the silent trade where no one had to speak. Do you hear the drum beats in African streets? I do. This was the silent trade where no one had to speak. The drum beats hit on African streets replete with the elite traders that had figured out one of the best ways to trade gold and salt they left in a spot during the week. But first of these trading fleets would retreat back miles as they played a beat to communicate that the gold or salt was left on the seat, forming a kind of back and forth double speak. And no one would steal or would cheat because the concept of theft 
prison or jail was obsolete in a society that was crime-free as salt was traded mixed with African fruits to form bittersweet dishes to eat. It was mixed with grain made from the wheat. This trade today seems so mystique but was preserved in drum beats that hip hop plays today on electric record players, but used to be played on techniques and beat boxes that rock to the beat. The ancient beats of African traders has reached the world's cities concrete from Malian drums to boogie down production streets to Mozambique. This conversation has become the ancient communication of the great, 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 great daughters and sons of the African silent traders who traded crime free with African drums. Knowledge is the eighth principle of hip hop son. And the ninth principle of hip hop is entrepreneurialism laid down in the album Sneak Attack by KRS-One. Thank you for listening to the Real Wakandas of Africa podcast. When you have a chance, please pick a copy of my books up from Amazon, The Real Wakandas of Africa, Dr. John Henry Clark vs. Herman Cain, The Great Wall of Africa, The Empire of Benin's 10,000-mile-long wall, The Real Vibranium of Africa, and Akhenaten's Dreams by Maurice Miles Martinez. You can also subscribe to this podcast and become a regular sustaining member by clicking the link in the podcast. You can donate from $1 to $10 per month, and this makes an enormous difference in supporting this podcast and my research. Thank you again for listening to me, MC Brother Miles, Maurice Miles Martinez. I will speak with you next week.